Hi, my name is Paul and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe that the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to, so we'd love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, restoredtemecula.church, and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. And so, we're going to jump back into the series that we've been in for months now called Priesthood. And the heartbeat behind this series is we've been, it's all about kind of restoring our identity as priests, that, that as, as disciples of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, as, as followers of Jesus, that, that, that part of who we are, not just what we do, part of our identity is that we're a priesthood. That means we're a collective of priests. And priests are, are people who orient their entire lives around ministering to God, around, around seeing him accurately, giving him our attention, and then b- living lives that bless him just because he's worthy. It, it's, it's, it's worship. And, 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 I, and I've just seen it happen where like, especially the church in the West, where we can just kind of drift into having like a me-centered reality instead of a God-centered reality. It's where we take on an identity where like I'm the sun in the solar system instead of our creator, our maker, being the sun in our solar system. And so, yeah, so we are uh, gonna be, we, I guess just as I say, we've been camping out in this one verse for, gosh, months now. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this. I want to read it together before we jump in. This will be review for the vast majority of you, but, man, it would take us years to mine the gold that is in this one verse. Paul writes, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. But this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And we've been, we've been reviewing each week this reality of like Paul's main discipleship strategy is look at him. Look at Jesus. Look at God. Give him your attention. Behold. And the reason for that is because we as people, we become that with which we behold. We become just like the things that we behold. That's why you have an entire generation of young people that are mimicking the Kardashians and that's why you know, billions and billions of dollars are spent on advertising because intelligent, smart businessmen and women, they know this reality that you and I become just like that with which we behold, just like that with which we give our attention to. And we've been talking about how we want to follow in the footsteps of thousands of years of church history where courageous men and women, even in the face of opposition, have gone, I'm orienting my life around beholding God. I want to see him clearly because I'm convinced of this biblical truth that if we see him accurately and we give our attention over to him, we will become more like him, which that's the point of discipleship, to become like Jesus, all right? What you give your attention to forms you into its likeness. And just to kind of review, uh, I don't typically do this, but a handful of times a year I will, I'll point you back to old messages. God's on this with us, guys. So I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the, the talks in this, in this season that we've been going through, this priesthood season, we've talked about beholding God in scripture. We've talked about beholding God in our failures, like when we blow it, when we mess up. We've talked about beholding God through humility. We've talked about beholding God in the storms of life. Maybe you're in a storm right now. 
And then last week, uh, I talked about beholding God in our work. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about purpose. Um, it's something that we talk about, I think, fairly often, but I don't know if we could talk about it enough. Do you know your purpose in life? Like, do you know it clearly? Maybe you have some ideas about it, but do you know your purpose? Like, why you exist? Um, I was thinking about um, just the privilege it is to be a part of this church community, the privilege it is to serve and to lead in the ways that God's assigned me to in the season that we're in. And I was like, okay, what would, like, what would, what do I actually want to see happen? You know, like, not just what on paper I should want to see happen, you know, but like what's really going on in me? Like, what do I actually really want? And I, and I was thinking about this for us, and I was like, I don't know if anything would make me happier, pastorally speaking, than to witness each one of you fulfilling your life's purpose. Like, I'm not joking. Oh, to be able to just watch the spirit of the living God empower you in such a way that you are living out your unique purpose. All of us share in purpose, we'll get to that in a second, but there's a uniqueness to each one of us. That's what I wanna talk about today, okay? So go ahead and grab your Bible. We're gonna be uh, in some of the same passages we were in last week, so just open to the first page. Genesis chapter one, we're gonna start in verse one, okay? If you don't have a Bible with you, no worries, the crew throws a bump on the screen for us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Kylo. And so before I jump into Genesis chapter one, verse one, I want to pray. So will you, will you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you forever made a way for us to enjoy the presence of God. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to enlighten the eyes of our hearts and our minds, that you'd help us to see you more clearly. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you over this room right now. I pray that you would help me to serve I don't want to do anything that gets in the way of what you want to accomplish, Father. And these precious people, we belong to you. So we look to you for guidance. We look to you for leadership. We look to you. Speak to us. Teach us. Show us more of the glory and the beauty of Jesus, we pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Let's read it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There, there was an evening and there was a morning, one day. All right, we're going to fast forward now to verse 26 in chapter 1. Bypassing a lot of the creative work that God's done, but I want to hone in on verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, 
according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created them, or sorry, he created him in the image of God, and then here comes the them. He created them, male and female. Okay. So really, really quickly, here's what I want to do. I want to walk through some things. The first thing that I want to talk about is something that I, I know that all of you know. Um, it'll be reviewed, but just stay with me, okay? And that's, that's this. It's the reality that, biblically speaking, the God that we worship is triune. Okay, maybe you've heard the phrase the Trinity. This is like super review, I know, but stay with me. God is triune, okay? There are three characters that show up here in the Bible in the first, what is it, five verses. You catch what they are. You have God. You have God's words, right? He's speaking. He says, let there be light, and then it happens, So you have God, you have God's words, and what else? God's spirit. Yeah, three characters in the first five verses here, okay? And then if you noticed it, like, the the, the language it uses, it speaks of God as though he's singular and plural. Uh, Verse 26, God speaking, then God said, let us make man in our image. That's plural, right? In our image, So this is just the the doctrine of the Trinity, right? I'm not going to spend too much time here, but it's helpful. One God made up of three persons. It's a mystery, I know, but it's beautiful, and we'll get into some more of this as we move forward, okay? I want to talk about mankind for a second. Mankind was created by God, right? It was created in God's image, it says, and according to God's likeness. What does that mean? If we're going to understand our purpose, we kind of need to know why God created us and what this actually means, okay? So this idea of God's image, right? This is the idea that God created mankind to reflect what God was like to the rest of creation, okay? So um, you guys all probably came here in a car. There are mirrors all around your car, right? There's the side mirrors, there's the rear view mirror, but what do those mirrors do? They, they just reflect a mirror image of what they're directed at, what they're pointed at, right? Mirrors reflect a mirror image. Mankind is meant to reflect a mirror image of God to the rest of creation. Okay, so you're like a walking, talking, moving, breathing mirror. You with me? All right, that's what we're talking about when we talk about this idea of God made mankind in his image image to reflect what he's like to the rest of creation. Now, what about this thing according to his likeness? Um, The word translated likeness is the Hebrew word demut. And basically what it means is it means model. Um, When I was in fourth grade, uh, fourth grade is the grade where you learn about the California missions. Do you guys remember this? Uh, so I remember when I was in fourth grade, we learned about the California missions, right? The outposts that the Catholic Church set up all along, all up and down California, right, to bring the gospel and to care for the people, all those things. But in fourth grade, you learn about the California missions. And I remember that what we had to do as an assignment, um, we each got assigned a mission to study. I was si- assigned uh, Mission Santa Barbara. Has anybody ever been there? Yeah, a handful of you. It's beautiful, man. It's this... Co- Absolutely gorgeous structure. The most, the most beautiful flowers all out front. Do you remember that? It was spectacular, right? But one of the things that we had to do, um, in addition to studying about it and learning about it, was we had to build a model of it. 
And I remember, you know, um, as it was, I'm pretty confident that I gave my parents zero heads up that it was like due on Monday and it's like Sunday or something. And so <clears throat> my parents were so good. They, um, they helped me uh, make this model of Mission Santa Barbara. And when I use air quotes around helped me, I showed up to class on Monday and every single person in the class knew full well <laughs> that there's no way on earth that I could have created what, we just, what I brought to class. It was the most spectacularly accurate, flawless, it was incredible. All the other kids used like household goods. We like, I, I won't even get into the details. It was, it was remarkable how well my parents helped me make this model of Mission Santa Barbara. Demut, likeness, model. Um, my nephew, Shepard, if you spend five minutes with Shepard, you will, you will discover very quickly that he adores Jeeps, okay? How many Jeeps does he have, Mark? Dozens. He can't count, okay? He has so many little Jeeps, these little models of Jeeps. When I say that, the, when I say, when the scriptures say that we were created according to God's likeness, his demut, his, that we're like little miniature models, if you will, of what God is like and how he is made up. A model is made in the likeness of something. So, so not only was mankind made in God's image, we were also made in his likeness. Do you know what that means? God is triune. So are you. It's not heresy. Just stay with me for a second, okay? I'm not saying that you're three different people. I'm not saying that you're like God in the sense that you are divine. I am saying that you are like a model. Uh, let's break it down. So God, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, right? <clears throat> now, we talked about it in Genesis chapter one. There was three characters. What were they? God what was the second one. God's words, right? Not like the Bible, but his spoken word that created and God's spirit. Uh, look, flip over to John chapter one with me. John chapter one. It says this, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar? Isn't those, that's the first three words that we read in Genesis chapter one, right? John is deliberately going, hey, look back. Look back. In the beginning was the what? Was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. Think about that for a second. Again, this like singular yet plural idea. The word was with God, and the word was God. Verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Get this, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Skip down to verse 14, here's the big idea. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That second person of the Trinity, God's word became flesh in who? The person of Jesus. Yes. The person of Jesus. God, God's word, God's, God's son, Jesus, God's spirit. Let's break it down even further. 
So you have God the Father, right? You have, in essence, a divine will. A divine will. Okay, let me give you the definition of will. When I say will, I don't mean like something that you draw up when someone's gonna pass away. A divine will. will, The definition of will is this. The faculty by which a person decides on and initiates action. We pray all the time, right? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So God the Father, this divine will. Then you have God the Son, right? The word becoming flesh. So whether it's God speaking through word or God essentially operating through his son, you have the fa- God the Father, a divine will. You have God the Son, which is a means to carry out that will. And then you have God's spirit, an animating power, an animating energy to then execute that will. So I want you to think of, when we talk about the spirit, I want you to think of like a sailboat, and I want you to think of wind in a sailboat. Not the best analogy, but I want you to get this concept, because we're going somewhere with this. So on a, on a sailboat, you have like a captain, right, who's calling the shots. You have the vessel itself, the sailboat. And you have the wind that is that energizing power, that animating power that propels that vessel to execute the will of the captain. You tracking with me? Friends, you were created in God's likeness. His demut, you, you and I were like little miniature models of God. That means you're triune too. Hear me, you have a will don't you? Some theologians refer to this as a soul. You have a will. You have a means to carry out that will, don't you? You're walking around in it. You're sitting in it right now. Your body. And you have a spirit, an animating power, an animating energy to then execute that will through your body. And here's the thing about the spirit. We talk about this all the time. I really want us to grow in this. We're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings as well. Okay, so when we talk about a, a spirit, I want you to like, think like, the, like wind, right? You can't see the wind, but you can see how it animates the trees. You can see the effect it has on that sailboat, can you not? Here's the thing we can observe the effect that spirits have on each other. Um, I I saw this in a a really beautiful way that was so, it was genuinely obvious to me in the moment recently. I watched, like you talk about the, the fruit of the spirit, right? Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit. How do you know if the spirit's operating? It's gonna produce this kind of fruit. You can observe the fruit, even though, you can't, even though the spirit's invisible, you can observe the fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you see those things, you know the spirit of God's at work. It's blowing winds in the sails of a human being. You tracking with me? Dude, I saw this in the coolest way, um, in a beautiful way, maybe a couple weeks ago. I saw a spirit of joy on my wife. 
And do you know how it happened? It happened through repentance. She had realized ways that she was living that were kind of contrary to God's will for her life. And because she believes the truth of the gospel, she's like gratitude for God's love, his faithfulness, his forgiveness started to bubble up in her. And so this joy and gratitude was manifesting itself through her and it was so clear, it was so obvious. Guys, you can see the Spirit's effects. Even if the Spirit's invisible, you can see its effects. And it's, it's not just like on the positive side of things. Um, yesterday, yesterday we... <laughs> Yesterday, we, we had a uh, third and fifth grade, third through fifth grade social. And so my eldest, Amelia, she's wrapping up fifth grade. So we, I took her to the social. I'm there with a handful of parents and a bunch of kids. And we had a wonderful time. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And we're all walking back to our cars. And, and this woman nearby just starts yelling at us. And like, she's, be, she's behaving in incredibly vulgar ways. I'll spare you the details, but it was rough. She's cussing at us. There's like a dozen kids. The stuff that's coming out of her mouth, you could literally see a spirit of bitterness and anger and hatred. You could observe it. Guys, I want you to know, you can observe you can see a spirit's effects. Listen, you are triune. You have a will. You have a body, right? A means to carry out that will. And you have a spirit, an animating power and energy to execute that will. If you've ever, if you've ever been to a memorial service and you've and maybe seen an open casket or you've seen like a, a body for whom the will is not present, the soul is not present, the spirit is not present, but the body is present. You are triune, my friend, because you were made in the likeness of God. Remember, not only were you created in God's likeness, but you were created in his image, right? To reflect a mirror image of what he is like to the rest of creation. So, <clears throat> Next thing that I want to kind of touch on is this sad and brutal and disappointing reality, and that is this. Mankind's image was corrupted by sin. We know this. Sin sucks. It's the worst. Mankind's image was corrupted by sin. So now, because sin entered the earth, we all deal with it. We all struggle with it. Now, there are ungodly and competing wills. So there are wills that are not in alignment with the will of God all over the place. Now, our bodies, they decay and they die. And spirits, now there are spirits that are in opposition to God's spirit. So Ungodly and competing wills. God wants to go left, I want to go right. God wants to go up, I want to go down. Now this, this, this vessel that God's given me to execute that will, now it's decaying and it's dying. 
And now there's all these other opposing spirits that are in opposition to God's spirit. The result is the image that we reflect is distorted now. Remember, we were created to be image bearers. You ever been to the Delmar Fair? No, that's fine. Yeah, sweet. Talk to me. You guys know this. My preaching is directly correlated with the level of with which you participate. So if you don't participate, if you've been to the Delmar Fair, probably most fairs. You ever been to the House of Mirrors? You ever walk through that thing? Depending on your personality, it's either in hilarious or terrifying. You walk in and there's mirrors everywhere. Okay? And sometimes you're like, you can't find the walls because it's just all mirrors. You know, and then you walk through this one hallway where it's like the wacky mirrors, where you walk by and next thing you know, you're like super duper thin, skinny, way tall. And you walk by the other one and now you're like super duper short and way wide. It, those mirrors just totally distort your image, right? Or how about this on your phone? Uh, those of you who have iPhones, you can do this. I don't know about you barbarians that have the Android thing, but the, uh, that was way too far. I'm so sorry. I'm actually not like an Apple fanboy. I just, I hate the green bubble. I hate it. <clears throat> ah, forgive me. Um, you know how with your phone, you can pull up the, the selfie camera and you can put on the filter that makes your face look all distorted and weird. And like, if you angle your face, it looks funny and it's like swirly. And do you guys know what I'm talking about? The same thing's kind of happening in, in the fun house, in the, the mirror house, right? The house of mirrors. Your reflection is being distorted, either by the mirror or by, you know, the filter on your phone. That's what sin has done to mankind as God's image bearers. We were created to reflect what God is like to the rest of creation. But because of sin, that reflection, all, it's all distorted. It's not accurate. I have a theory. I have a theory that that's probably the main reason why the world is so hostile to Christians. Is because we don't always, we don't always reflect the most accurate image of God. Because hear me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you've done or what you, what's been done to you. If you see him clearly, oh my goodness, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more glorious. Because of sin, that reflection's distorted. It's the funhouse mirror. It's the filter on your phone. Now here's the thing. That's all of us in the room, by the way. It's not, it's, it's all of us. Here's the thing. The likeness piece, where we're made according to his likeness, that's still intact. You're still triune. But the image has been distorted by sin. So what do we do? The truth is we need transformation. We need restoration. We need to go back to the way things 
were. How does that work? You guys already know where I'm going with this, hopefully. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let me read it again. See if this doesn't come alive a little bit more in your heart, a little bit more in your mind. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are what? Being transformed, which is what we need, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay? We've been talking about this for months now. Okay? Transformation happens how? By beholding him. This is the Apostle Paul's main strategy for spiritual formation. Talking about being formed, being transformed more into the likeness of God, more into the, more into the image bearers that he created us to be, right? You become like what you behold. And as we behold God, we become more and more like him over time. Here's what I want you to see. It's a restoration project. It's a, it's a restoration of our purpose as image bearers. That's why God created you. He created you in his image to reflect him to creation and according to his likeness. And sins jacked it up. And God through his spirit is in the process of redeeming and restoring that. And it's, here's the play that you run. Look at him. Just look at him. Give him your attention. And don't stop giving him your attention because if you do, you'll be transformed into his, into his image more and more, one degree of glory to the next. It's a restoration of our purpose as God's image bearers to accurately reflect what God is like to the rest of creation. Okay, so here's, here's kind of my main, my main point this one is where I want to like, just, I'm building up to this, okay? It's this idea. Without beholding God, you cannot fulfill your purpose. You cannot bear God's image without beholding him. Right, you were created in his likeness, in his image to reflect what he's like. The, that's the purpose, you reflecting God to anything and everything and everyone around you. Right, and, 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 and our reflections distorted by sin. We need our, ref, we need our reflection transformed, we need it restored. And it happens through beholding God, okay? Without beholding God, you cannot fulfill your purpose. So hear me. I guess it kind of boils down to this question. Do you actually want to fulfill God's purpose for your life or do you want to rewrite your own purpose? And I think if, you, if you're anything like me, so oftentimes I want to write my own story. Um, I just had a moment. One of the first times I ever maybe the first several months that I knew Herrick, he had this um, it's a kind of prophetic word for me that has been so true that I've gone back to you multiple times. I, feel like I should say that God's brought me back to you. And he said, I saw this picture of, of God kind of writing out the story of your life and you kept grabbing the pen from him. And when he said it, and bear in mind, like at this point, I, I don't know Herrick that well, but at this point I'm like, one, that's totally true. It's been a struggle, especially at that point, it'd been a struggle my whole life. I want to I access all of God's goodies. Like, I want, I want the kingdom benefits without the king, you know? I'll be Lord, just give me your power. 
Just give me your provision. And Eric says that to me. I'm going, whoa, that's so accurate. I feel, I feel conviction. And then I feel gratitude for the gospel of Jesus, that he forgives me and loves me. I'm like, I can trust this guy. So hear me. Like, if you actually want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, can I just tell you something? Nothing's more important than beholding him. Like, I can't think of any, other, any better play for you to run than to orient your life in anything that you do around how can I, where is he? How can I behold him? How can I give him my attention and in this moment? Guys, that's, we talk about priesthood, like restoring and recovering our priestly identity. This is what priests do. Priests prioritize beholding God. I was thinking about the contrast between the kingdom of God and opposing kingdoms. The culture of the kingdom of God versus the culture of the world that we currently live in and we occupy. And, and I was thinking about how, it, how the culture can influence us to, to prioritize things. And not just like adults, like, like young people too. So it's not like just limited to, to adults by any means, but some really, really good things that we told last week we talked about rightly ordered loves that just for whatever reason, we tend to move priorities in such a way that that God wouldn't necessarily have us to do that. And I was thinking about, I was like, what are some of the things that our culture prioritizes? Good things, not bad things. And I was like, okay, the first thing that jumped out at me is I feel like especially kind of Southern California, our physical health is like, dude, it's like a priority, okay? And I was thinking about it, I'm like, but here's the thing, like, you can be super physically healthy. Like your wellness game can be on point and yet still not live out your purpose. It's like, what else? Like education, amazing, super important, worth prioritizing. You can acquire a world-class education and yet still not live out your purpose. So it's important, but maybe it's not the most important. How about this one, wealth? Acquiring and accumulating wealth, not a bad thing. Jesus did not say that money is the root of all evil. What did he say? Yeah, you guys got it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not a bad thing. Accumulating and acquiring wealth is not a bad thing. In fact, it can be a really beautiful kingdom thing, especially when we use it the way that Jesus, when we, when we approach it as stewards and not as owners. But wealth, like you can acquire more wealth than you could spend in 10 lifetimes and yet still not fulfill your purpose. Important, just not the most important. I was, uh, I was talking with Eric this morning about just some of the challenges with youth sports and some of the things. And uh, I'm gonna talk about athletics right now because I think it's something that our culture really prioritizes. And I'm a big fan of youth sports. I'm a, I think that there's a, it's an environment for, for formation, character formation, development, like that few other environments can touch the potential that exists in youth sports. 
However, <laughs> our culture prioritizes it above so many things. Like, guys, you can excel on every level of athletics. You, could, you can win all the accolades. You could get the full ride scholarship. You could go pro and yet still not fulfill your purpose. Hear me, none of these things are bad. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. None of these things are bad, but they can be. They can be if they become a higher priority than beholding God, because you cannot fulfill your purpose as an image bearer unless you're beholding God. So if you want to live out God's purpose for your life, beholding God must be like that highest priority, okay? Because you become like what you behold. And please, guys, I'm not telling you, you need to, I'm not telling you to abandon these things. Those are just lists that I came up with because I'm like, okay, I think these are, these are, people, these are things, these are areas where culture influences us more than God and his word. And as it, comes, as it pertains to prioritizing things. I'm not saying to abandon these things. I'm not telling you to go live as a monk. I am saying that nothing is more important than beholding God, though, unapologetically. Because that's what priests do. They orient their whole life around beholding him, giving him their attention, ministering to him, blessing him, not to get something from him, but just because he's glorious, just because he's worthy. Because he, he's, he's the word who put on flesh. He's the one who came and lived the perfect, flawless life that none of us ever could. To take the pressure off of you. Because he knew you couldn't. But out of his great love for you, he chose to do that. And then he chose to lay down his life as a sacrifice for every single time that you, you chose your lordship over his. You, you sinned against him and sinned against people he loves. That's what priests do. They orient their whole life around beholding him and ministering him, blessing him, giving him their, his, their attention just because he's worthy. I'll talk more about this in, next week, but like, that's why as a church we do the things that we do. We'll preview to the movie for next Sunday. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it starts with two words. Do you remember what they are? We all. It's corporate. It's communal. It's collective. The, 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 the things that we give ourselves over to as a church, as a worshiping family, right? These, these corporate strategies for spiritual formation, dare I say spiritual transformation, these things that we give ourselves over to, what you're doing right now, Sunday worship gathering. We're gathered together. Do you want to know the, the primary reason we're here? So that we can corporately behold him. We can see him clearly in all of his glory, in all of his love, in all of his grace, in all of his power. I could go down to the gospel community. Why? Why do we do it? so that we could corporately behold him. Because if we behold him, we become like him. And then his earth is filled with little Jesuses running around everywhere. You know that that's where Christ, the word Christian came from? It literally, non-Christians deemed them little Christs, which is translated to Christians. 
The prayer room, why do we do it? To behold him. Those of you guys that have been in the prayer room, you know, you don't even mean to plug it. It's incredible. It's my favorite thing in the world. Even socials, like all of it. So I don't want you to get this idea that priests are like these monk-like people, right? They don't escape the world to behold God. What priests do is they prioritize beholding God in every single thing that they do. They prioritize beholding God in their, uh, their pursuit of physical health. They prioritize beholding God in their, in their acquiring of wealth, in their education, in, in the, the, the sports, thing, whatever it is. They prioritize giving God their attention in any and every environment that they're in. Guys, we, gotta, we talk about it all the time. Said so the church is not a building. The church is not an event. You're not at church. The church is a worshiping family. We've got to let that sink deep into our bones. We've, defining terms is vital. You and I, we have an enemy, okay? The scriptures are clear. Satan is out to deceive you, and the way he's going to do it is through how you define terms, If we don't define terms, what words mean based on how God defines them, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God determines truth. If we let anything else define what a term means, we are in danger. If we allow culture or anything else to define what Jesus' church is, we are in danger. What is the church? The church is a worshiping family. It's a worshiping family who orients their lives around beholding God in everything that they do. And what happens? The outcome of that, as a result, we are incrementally being restored to the image bearers that God had originally intended for us to be. Putting sin to death, back into image bearers that God created us to be. And I use that word incrementally really intentionally. We are incrementally transformed back into how he designed for us to be. We're incrementally uh, transformed into his likeness. What did it say in 2 Corinthians 3.18? From one degree of glory to the next. A degree is like the smallest unit of measurement. So what that means is as we give our, as the church, as we give ourselves over to these strategies for spiritual transformation, as we give ourselves over to these things, it's gonna happen slowly but surely over time. That means it's not always gonna be awesome. That means sometimes on Sunday morning, the presence of God comes in power and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then sometimes you're like, God, this message kind of blows. This is not good. One degree of glory to the next. That means it's not always awesome. Except the prayer room is always awesome. But everything else, sometimes it's not always awesome. It's incremental. If you ever work out, if you ever like, I'm gonna get back in shape, I, I work out at home. So I have this like screen thing that I use and like they, they walk you through different things. And one of the trainers, one of the things that he always says is he goes, he goes, consistency is key. Why would he say that? He says that because it's like, dude, I've been working out for a week and I don't have a six pack. It takes time time, one degree of glory to the next. And so often, people get discouraged because they don't see the Christ-likeness that they want to see in their lives. They don't see the spiritual six-pack overnight. And then what do they do? They justify 
departing from the lordship of Jesus. I'm going to do things. He doesn't know what's up. I'm going to do my thing. My thing. I'm going to call the shots. That, that, that divine will, no, 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 I'm going I'm to execute my will. And then they pull away from Christ-like community, and they don't have people that can like, protect them from the schemes of the enemy seeking to deceive them. I've dealt with it in my life. I've pastored multiple people through it. All right, um, my clock is ticking down rapidly. I have 18 seconds. Uh, Ben, would you guys come up? I'll close with this final thought. Did you guys hear that? Sweet. Sorry. I apologize. That was not a classy move. Okay. Uh, Real talk. Honesty. Let's just be honest before the Lord honest with ourselves, zero condemnation. We are a people of grace. We are defined, literally defined by the intervening grace of God. So there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation for anybody unless you want it, you want to grab a hold of it, which I highly, highly, highly encourage you not to. Question, is your life built around beholding God? Like currently, I'm not talking about past seasons. I'm like today. Is your life built around beholding him? Because here's the thing. If it's not, I gotta be honest with you about what's at stake. What's at stake is you living out your purpose as an image bearer. Like the reason God created you and I to bear his image and we cannot bear his image if we aren't beholding him. Because the image that we're bearing is a distorted one. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be restored. Guys, we love because he loves us. Stay with me. It's okay. We love kids. We love because he loves us. We serve because he serves us. How about this one? We forgive because he forgives us. It's his spirit. It's his animating, energizing power. Guys, we were created to receive first and then to reflect. Maybe it's been a while since you received the love of God, huh? You're gonna have a really hard time reflecting it if you haven't received it in a while. That's what God wants this morning. Um, My first car was a 1997 white Ford Ranger pickup with purple tint. It was the faded tint. But I loved that car. I was so thankful for it. I didn't always drive it 
responsibly. Um, it was a truck, so I would, you can imagine. I would hit potholes sometimes. And I remember I had to do some routine maintenance on it. I would change the oil and different things. But I remember um, after hitting a couple potholes, most of which I didn't mean to hit, um, if, you, if you know anything about cars, I know very little about cars. Talk to Jonathan if you need to know anything about cars. But what happens when you hit potholes is it jacks up your wheel alignment. And so when your wheels get kind of jacked up from hitting different things, next thing you know, your steering wheel, if it's aimed straight, it's actually not going to take the car straight because the wheels are jacked. You tracking with me? And it affects your steering. You, you, know, you think you're going straight, but you're actually kind of drifting off course a little bit. And it's like cars. They need routine maintenance, right? I'm convinced that for some of us in the room, that's what today is for you. Coming back into an alignment. You need your your steering kind of recalibrated just a little bit. One degree, even. Come back into alignment with heaven. When I say heaven, I mean the kingdom of God, his rule his reign, him getting his way. Back into the alignment of the love of God for you, that it's not something that you have to earn. Hear me, you don't even have to strive for it. It's freely given. And hear me, to come back into alignment with your purpose, created in the God, according to God's likeness and in his image, to bear his image. So here's what I want to do. If that's you, just some routine maintenance, just alignment's just a little bit off. If that's you, if, you, if you're like, God, I, I want to build my life around beholding your glory. No more games, no more distractions. I want to build my life around your glory. God, I want to fulfill my purpose as an image bearer. God, I, I want to reflect what you're like to everything and, and, and everyone around me. If you need some, kind of, you need to recalibrate this morning. If that's you, what I want you to do is I want to invite you to stand right where you're at so I can pray for you. I'm standing too, not just conveniently because I'm up here. I'm standing before you going, I want my physical body to take action. That's what faith is. It's, it's trust that's displayed through action. Lord, I trust you. I want to build my life around beholding you. I pray for every single man, woman, child in this room who's, who's on their feet saying, Lord, I want to build my life around beholding you, around giving you my attention in every single environment that I'm in. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would honor the faith in the room. Fill us with the fullness of the love of God for us. Fresh revelation of the person of Jesus, I pray. Our purpose, 
to reflect, we gotta receive right now. Receive in the name of Jesus, I pray. Receive the love of Jesus for you. Not just for the people around you, but for you. Made according to his likeness and made with a purpose. There's so much dignity in this room. Not self-prescribed or self-ascribed uh, dignity. Heavenly ascribed dignity from the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, Spirit of Jesus, show us the beauty and glory of Jesus. Help us to be people who behold in all that we do. Make us like you, we pray. Amen. Uh, can I have the ministry team come forward? We're going to spend the rest of our gathering, which is maybe 15-ish minutes before Herod comes up to close us. And this is a, a time of response. This is a time of taking on one of two kind of approaches, okay? I talked about this last week. I want to use this language indefinitely moving forward. I want you to, to step into either uh, the operation of a priest or the operation of a, of a patient, Priests, right, they, they minister to the Lord, they bless him, they worship him, they praise him just because he's worthy. So maybe that's you, you step into your priestly identity right now as someone who's gonna minister to the Lord through your praise, the band's gonna lead us, or as a patient. And what patients do is they, they humble themselves and they say, they come to the doctor or the, 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 or the physician or whatever, and they say, I need care. Uh, something's off. I need care. I need to receive. If that's you, there are trusted men and women up here in the front that would love to pray over you. Priest, patient, you choose. Let the Spirit of God lead you. And let's receive the fullness of his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence for us this morning. Okay? Open your heart. Open your heart. Fight against distractions. Give God your heart and see what he does. Love you guys very much. Enjoy him.